You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Short week this week, so we're getting right to it. Here's Kirk Minahan right off the bat. Kirk, coming off the loss on Sunday, I would probably say the Brady interview wasn't you guys' best effort of the year, but I don't know if that's your fault either. Did you go? Where did you go to college, Ryan? I went to Sacred Heart. Sacred Heart. You graduated? I graduated. With a degree in what? I got a degree in sports management slash communications. No, for Christ's sakes. Did you say you guys' best interview? I guess I did, yeah. Okay, I just wanted to clarify and, and, and credit Sacred Heart for the fine. And where'd you go to high school? I went to Beverly High. You went to Beverly High? Yeah. Okay. I think I passed. Married? Not, ma- I, I think married, I, not married? No, not married. I actually do think. Friend, girlfriend or no? We well, yeah. need to know more about Ryan Hannibal. Girl, oh, really? Okay, how's that going? It's going. It's going well. How long you been, How long you been dating her for? A while. What, what is that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. What, 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 how, come you, how come you can ask me all the fucking questions? How long you been dating her this, for? Because this is my podcast. No, no. If, if we, want, if we want to get into my stuff, I can go on enough about me. How? Well, I don't think you're quite there yet. How long I, I don't think I'm there yet, but this, this is, this is, this is. How long have you been dating this lovely lady for? A long time. Are you gonna, are you gonna make an honest woman out of her or what? We'll see. We'll see. I'm, I can't. Okay, you well, know, I, this, this is, a, this is a sports podcast. You know, it's a football oh, podcast. Shut, shut up. Shut up. All right, fine. Go ahead. All fine. right. The pre-interview this week. What were your thoughts? Do you, do you agree it wasn't the best? Well I, didn't think, well, I didn't think it was we guys' best interview, to be honest with you. But I think, uh, I think given, honestly, all, you know, all kidding aside, I think given what was going on in the world at that time of day and given what had happened to Patriots the day before, it was not a perfect, uh, you know, perfect concoction for a good interview, if that makes sense. Is it one of those where you just went into it says, you know, it is what it is. It's not worth getting into anything, and, and we'll, you know, do that at a later date. Is that, you know, what you guys get, went into it? Yeah, but it, yeah, yes, to some extent. But, yes, if I had to answer quickly, but I would say, like, it's a weird one, obviously. First of all, you had the shooting, which was dominated the show for us. It's, you know, we were very into that story. Secondly, the Patriots lost, which means Brady is going to be a little grumpy. And third, the Patriots lost, but it, like, wasn't really Brady's fault. It was – you know, the defense was to blame. So you're sitting there asking Brady questions about the defense. You know and I know Brady is never, ever, ever going to rip the defense, ever. That's not going to happen. So it's just sort of this, 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 bad, uh, this bad mixture, which led to, you know, I thought sort of a quick interview. Uh, Brady, I think, gave – you know, you should incorporate Chris Curtis into this in some way as well because Curtis talks to Brady before. I think <clears throat> Brady gave Curtis the high sign, like, I only have 10 minutes. I'm running to go do something. So the whole thing was kind of, uh, you know – Definitely, definitely not the best Brady interview of the year. Well, the one thing I thought with him was that he he blamed the refs not only once but twice. He brought up the second time about Bogart's crew, you know, calling more right. penalties against the Patriots than any other team. And to me, 
I don't know. We really don't see that much from him. So maybe he was, you know, mad at the referees for potentially costing them, you know, the, that last drive at the end for a chance to win it in overtime. That was my takeaway. I thought it was sort of weak on Brady's part to blame the refs. So we usually haven't seen that from him. Yeah, and he kind of did it in the Brady way, which is that, you know, hey, we got to figure out anyway. We have to know that. We have to do better. We know this is a tight crew. Jerry did a good job. He asked that question, and he asked the follow-up. Uh, Jerry definitely had the stronger Brady interview performance than I did. I was definitely not uh, not at my best in that one. So is there anything else that you guys you know have on your, your back burner for Brady? Is it going to be too late to go back to the book? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you guys even discuss it? Is that, you know, on your radar? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, I think that's definitely a bye week or, you know, kind of a, maybe a big win, you know, win by 30 points and let's kind of, uh, you know, talk about something else kind of conversation. We'll get to it. And I do think somebody at some point will sit down and write sort of a, a major takedown. You know, maybe it's in two weeks, maybe it's a month. That's not going to go away completely. When that happens, it then becomes topical again. But, you know, I think the, the Trump thing just ran that over. And then, they, and then now they're struggling. I mean, they lost again, so that's an issue. And if they lose again on Thursday night, you know, that becomes, you know, sort of this massive story. I think for most fans who are semi-interested in the Brady book, I think sometimes we in the media, definitely I'm guilty of this, might be more interested in the Brady book than some fans. Uh, but I know for sure if the Patriots are two and three and struggling, fans aren't going to want to hear about, you know, uh, Brady's exercises and diet. They're going to want, you know, they want to know what's going on. What page are you in the Brady book exactly? I read the Brady book, exactly. I read the Brady book entirely. Start to finish? Start to finish, soup to nuts. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, um, not my kind of book, you know. I, I'm, I'm curious as how heavy Guerrero was in, in terms of uh, putting the book together. Uh, I suspect very heavy. Um, it's a pretty good insight into who Brady is, though. And if you're, you know, not even liking the book, I would say, if you're a big Patriots fan, a big Brady fan, it's worth reading just to sort of get into Brady's mindset. It's 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 it's, it's interesting. I I listened to your podcast with Curran last week, and I I mean yeah. I'm not one to you know criticize Kirk Minahan here, but I was surprised you didn't go at him about the Guerrero stuff. And you said on the air that that Curran's not a fighter, but you know why didn't you go at him? Because he's not because because I know it's not because the minute he said that he wasn't aware of the Guerrero stuff. Uh, that was in that Boston Magazine story. I kind of knew where we were at. You know, it was I was kind of ran into a wall right there. For me, if you know everything about Guerrero and you want to defend him, it's great. I feel like when Curran does that, he's kind of saying, uh, "Yeah, this one's not for me." And Curran's not a yeller and a screamer. And I made my thoughts clear on Guerrero. I made it clear with Brady and with Jerry. And you know, Curran, I guess, likes the guy. He goes you know, he's there. Used him. He's worked well for him. Um, I've said to him, I, I'm not sure a beat writer for the Patriots should be going to Alex Guerrero at TB12, but he disagrees. I mean, you know, it's, it's sort of, a, you know, I guess a legitimate disagreement. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I could have pressed him harder on that one. I'm not sure where we've gone, but I think that's probably a fair criticism. And then he mentioned that he doesn't want to write a potential Brady book because he's be af- he'd be afraid that he would mess it up. And from my perspective, I think Curran knows Brady better than anyone else that's covered the team for years. I think he's the perfect guy to write the potential Brady book if there is one. I didn't know if you kind of got that vibe from from Curran or if you had any thoughts on, on a potential Brady book down the line. But I think Curran's the perfect guy. I think it'd be excellent if, if, you know, if you could write a real Brady book. I, you know, I, I don't know if a Tom Brady biography is going to be an actual real Tom Brady biography. Sorry, that's my phone. If that's a real Tom Brady biography, I don't know if it's going to be a thing where Brady kind of says, okay, here it is. 
I'm going to spin it like this and write it like this, or if it's going to be, and I mentioned the Andre Agassi biography, which is, I think, the best sports biography I've ever read because it has everything. It has the, you know, it's very, very, very self-critical. I don't know if a Brady book is going to be like that or if it's just going to be like, you know, 95% of these sports biographies are suck. All right, we're going to let you go. I know you're going to prepare for your big uh, event at Jake and Joe's tomorrow. You're probably going to be going to the Red Sox media guy, breaking down the matchups yep. with, with Houston. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, yeah you have any, any questions for me? I can answer them right now. Go ahead. Uh, what do you think of Houston's bullpen? Um, I think it's active. I think they have arms. I think all their pitchers have two arms. I think they choose to throw with only one of those arms, and they never use the other arm to pitch. Red Sox rotation, who's your game three starter? Uh, I like I like a knuckleballer in that spot, so I'd probably go Wakefield. Um, if they're up 2-0, I'd definitely go Wakefield. If they're down 2-0, I think it's tough. I like Arroyo. He's certainly durable. I, I don't think you can go wrong. I think they're loaded. And then who's your X factor in the Red Sox batting order? Who who make who replaces David Ortiz in the clutch? It's tough. It, it's tough to find a guy to replace Big Poppy uh, in that situation. Um, boy, that's a good question. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to go with if I had to pick a guy to do it. Surprisingly, I think it's quite surprising given his lack of success in the postseason. It's probably David Price. I think if he gets the right matchup against a righty pitcher, I think he can deliver. I mean, you saw him this year. He got a hit earlier this year. I like it. Well, before I let you go, prediction on the series. Who do you got? Uh, I think it's going to go seven. Uh, Even though the division nine. series is going to go? All right, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, think this, I think this series could go I think this is the one of the division series and go seven games, potentially nine. Uh, I'm going to pick Houston in a nine-game series. Uh, I'm going to pick them seven games to two. All right. Thanks a lot, Kirk. We'll talk to you later. Sure. Anytime, right? No Christian Fourier this week, so we got a special guest, Mike Giardi. I'm honored to have you with all of our Twitter battles. I think we can put those behind us. I'm honored to have you on the Not Sunday podcast. It really is an emotional day for me, Ryan. You know, we buried the hatchet, and, uh, you know, to appear on this podcast, I mean, if it's not my life's goal, it's, it's two or three. It's, it's right up there. Damn straight. All right, let's get let's get right to it. You've been breaking down the all twenty twos. You've been in the in the film room, dark room, breaking down the game on Sunday. What'd you see from Stefan Gilmore's play? Uh, completely clueless in the first half, um, and that clearly in my in my mind now led to the that was no equipment thing. I was looking at the sidelines. There was no late coming out of the locker room. He was clearly being benched to start the third quarter, and then Eric Rowe rips up his groin and. You have no choice but to put Gilmore right back in there. Um, there are so many times where, you know, two of the three guys on that side, you know, if they're playing out a bunch formation, are doing the right thing. And, you know, he's the one who seems to be guilty of doing the wrong thing. You're lined up on the far right side of the defense, offensive left, and you let the outside receiver run right by you with a free outside release so you can jam the tight end on the inside of the bunch formation. It makes absolutely zero sense. I can't for the life of me believe that Matt Patricia and Bill Belichick drew up a defense in that regard. Yeah, you know what? We're going to have you cover the donkey, and we're going to have the inside corner, Eric Rose, running a cross formation with motion to jump out over the top of two different defensive backs to get to the outside release. It just I, – I, I can't see it. And I just think there are, there are other examples. There's one where the pass doesn't even go his way. He is lined up outside the numbers. I believe he's on Funches. Outside the numbers, basically on top of the Patriots sideline. 
There's no safety up over the top. He's all by himself. There's no linebacker walking out. There's no defensive end walking out because there's nobody, there's nobody in the slot. And he is gesturing over to McCourty from 25 yards away as if to say, what am I supposed to be doing here? And McCourty is communicating with him from 25 yards away for five seconds. Then the ball gets snapped. And the next thing you know, it's a little dagger down the middle of the field. Um, and I can't help but think to myself that McCourty is somewhat burdened by the fact that he is trying to coach Gilmore through each and every play. It just, uh, and I'm not trying to absolve McCourty because I don't think he's played great, but I think there's this guy has placed a massive burden on the rest of the secondary, and he is the common denominator in so much that has happened to this point in the year. You've been covering the team a long time. Have you ever seen a guy that just just doesn't get the defense like this? You know, talent aside, because clearly he has some talent. But have you seen a guy that just doesn't understand things? Well, I, I mean, yeah, maybe for a little bit. And so I guess that's the one thing that you hold out hope for is that okay, it's it's just four games in. But the thing that's scary to me, and should be scary to everyone else with this with regards to this, is they dumbed it down after week one. They realized the communication was terrible. Then Hightower gets hurt in that game as well, and they said, you know what? We're going to simplify the hell out of this defense, and we're not going to even flip our corners. You're going to stay on one side, you're on the other. So you don't have to think about any of that stuff. You don't have to think about your feet and how you operate. It's strictly you're on this side and you're on that side, um, and the rare times that they move is when there's two receivers on the field and you've got to run across formation with them. And, uh, you know, Tom Curran said after the game we were talking, he's like, i got to simplify it. I'm like, dude, they can't simplify it anymore. And then Harmon reinforced that, you know, after the game. I'm, dude, it can't get no more simple than that, I believe was his exact quote. And uh, I think that's probably frustrating for the rest of the guys, too, because they're capable of doing some more complex stuff than maybe you could throw a quarterback like Cam Newton off. And instead, you have to play dummy D to try to fit 24 into the scenario here. And it's not helping anybody. The one thing that I bring up with Gilmore is, I forget who it was it brought up this week, but he never came in on a free agent visit. They never sat down with him. You know, watching him with, with the Bills, you thought he was a decent cornerback, but to me, at least, I never thought he was, you know, worth the money that he got. And I kind of wonder if maybe the Patriots did themselves a disservice by not bringing him in for a visit, and maybe they could have picked up on some of these things that we're now realizing four games in that he just can't do. Yeah, a couple things, you know, so I reported that right at the time, you know, when it happened within probably 24 hours, I was like, you, you guys just to know here that there was no conversation that Gilmore's side was completely taken aback by the Patriots' interest because in that legal tampering period, they weren't involved. So, of course, you know, it didn't get any rain then because, oh, well, Belichick's spending money and this is great and he knows what he wants and he's seen this guy. This is another example of him picking the Bill's pocket and, you know, this guy's going to laugh in his face. Gilmore's going to laugh in the Bill's face for the next five years. But now that he's struggling, it's starting to get a little bit more run. I don't know if you could necessarily pick that up because I think you got enough tape that you could say to yourself, look, we can see him playing. Yeah, he's a press man corner, but we've seen him play zone. They've had a bunch of different coordinators there, different head coaches. It's not like he's having to look at different systems. Uh, you know, they love the, the, the stability side of him. And you remember that coming up with the whole Butler v. Gilmore thing. Well, you know, he has a family and married and all this nonsense. Um, but I think – then that makes you believe they realize we're not getting Butler done or we're not going to meet his terms. And maybe he's going to end up leaving at some point during this off season. And we can't be caught going into this schedule with a number of quarterbacks and receivers we're facing without an elite corner. And this is the guy that's out there and we've seen him and we think he can fit. So here's our leverage. We're not going to get caught with our pants down. 
when somebody makes an offer for Butler that we can't refuse or, or whatever, Butler holds out, whatever your scenario is. And the next thing you know, you got an unhappy Butler. Uh, you have Gilmore, who you're asking to do things that clearly he's not comfortable doing or hasn't picked up in your system yet. Um, and it has been not an unmitigated disaster, but awfully close to it. All right, let's move on from Gilmore to a guy that I know is big in your heart, Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> How do you think he's feeling right now watching Jacoby Brissett over with the Colts getting all these starts and looking looking pretty damn good when Garoppolo probably knows that he's a much better quarterback than, than Brissett is? Yeah, look, I think he's happy for Jacoby because I think, you know, they, they, they spent a year and change in the meeting room. And I think, you know, you know Jacoby, he's a, he's a good kid. Jimmy's a good kid. I think they were, they're were friends. So I think there's a part of them that's happy for him. But then, as you mentioned, you know, if any quarterback was going to get traded this offseason, it was going to be Garoppolo. And if any quarterback was going to get his own team, it was going to be Garoppolo. And here it is. I know it's it's not Brissett's team because Andrew Luck is, you know, that's his squad. He's the franchise quarterback. But the fact of the matter is, it's very likely that Jacoby Brissett starts a hell of a lot more games than than Jimmy Garoppolo does this year. And you know, the Patriots still control his fate in the off season as well. So he could be a very highly paid. I know a lot of people don't think that that franchise tag is possible, but he could find himself to be a very highly paid backup quarterback next year in the exact same spot that he was. And look. He wants to play. He, he he understands the situation here is good, but he's like anybody else. He wants to play, and he looks at that draft class, and he looks at someone like Derek Carr, who's you know is one of the top young quarterbacks in the game, and he says, "I can do that. Mm-hmm. I could do better than that." And now you're four years in, and you still haven't gotten a real opportunity to do that, and you may be five years in without a real opportunity to do that. It's got to be even more frustrating from, you know, seeing Brady perform the way that he is this year. You you thought that maybe you could see a little bit of a, bit of a slip up, but obviously he's on pace to have one of his best seasons, if not his best season. So what do you think Garoppolo, what, if you're in his mind, what do you think he feels? Do you think he's, you know, starting to think, you know, maybe I'm never, ever going to get my chance here and it's going to have to be somewhere else? Or what do you think? I think he felt that way during the beginning of camp, which I think led to some of the some of the things that we saw in the first week or 10 days of camp when he was erratic and it didn't really turn for him until Jacksonville came. And as we know, there's something about him playing against other teams and he gets the juices flowing and his performance picks up. Um, but I think there was some of that because I think he sat there and he looked at him and he goes, this guy's a friggin' maniac. And he just, he, he looks as good as he did last year. He, you know, he looked, or he looks better than he did last year. And, you know, um, and then you also know, again, they hold the trump card. The Patriots, they own you. They can do – they can make life difficult for you. Uh, they can franchise you. That, that restricts your market even if they do try to trade you in the offseason. So it's, it's, uh, it's probably – I mean, there are worse positions to be in, but um, when you really want to play and you're not getting the opportunity, that's, that's difficult to swallow. And I know you know, you know you know Garoppolo pretty well. Do you think there's a chance that he would ever take a a contract to, to sign an extension with the Patriots, or do you think he's just just going to go along with the ride with the franchise tag and then explore somewhere else? Because he does know the Patriots system. He knows he's in a good place with Joshua Daniels as offensive coordinator. And who knows? Maybe it's worth waiting the the three four years just to to be comfortable. What, what do you think? Could he ever do that? Uh, I think that's I think that's very unlikely. I look at the 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 franchise tag, or I look at the idea of, hey, look, 
maybe something a little short of that, but with the promise of we're not gonna we're we're not gonna screw with you after that. You're either we're making you a promise that you're either the next guy or you're you're getting the opportunity to walk. And even then, I think that's for him probably not as palatable as people would think it is. And I don't again, I don't think he. You certainly like that here, and he understands that the stability here is far greater than it is in any other place. You could end up, you know, in another organization, and, you know, after one year, the head coach is gone, or the GM's gone, or the offensive coordinator's gone, and then you're essentially starting from scratch again, and maybe you're not his guy, and maybe, you know, your opportunity is gone as fast as you got it. Um, and whereas you feel like when you're here that Bill's not going anywhere, Josh isn't going anywhere, um, even if Josh does go somewhere, Chad O'Shea is probably next in line, and you've been with Chad for years, and there's just so much stability in the organization. That's not something that there's but a handful of teams in the league that even come close to them in terms of head coach front office stability. So that's hard to find, but it still comes down to the end of the day. Give me an opportunity to play, and you know these guys. They're they're confident enough to believe that if you give me the opportunity, I'll make the most of it wherever it is, even if it was Cleveland. All right, real quick. You think the Patriots bounce back this week? You think they somehow figured out against Tampa? Uh, he, uh yes. And I, I say that with about, with not a hell of a lot of confidence. But I just, I, I we've seen it too many times. They don't lose two games in a row. This is a different scenario for this football team. Uh, it is uh, what we've seen over the first month of the defense is not exactly uh, comforting in any stretch of the imagination. But short week, smart coaching staff. Uh, I just, I don't know. I figure they'll figure out some sort of, some sort of way, some sort of band-aid to fix this and then get a full 10 days to, to, to really get into it uh, before, before uh, week six. All right. Thanks. Thanks a lot. You, you filled in nicely for four. I know you didn't play in the NFL, but you had a sneaky good career yourself. Yeah, I did. And you know, we all know four is a bit of a fraud. He's a pretty boy. That... Um, he was just, he was a, you know, the goal line guy and that was it. He didn't yep. like to block. He didn't like to get dirty. All right, Mike, thanks a lot. We'll see you. All right, man. Last but not least, we have Rich Keefe. Rich, let's get right to it. What are your general thoughts from the game on, on Sunday? Obviously really concerned about the defense. I don't know how you can't be. You know, last week when we were talking about Cam Newton looks hurt the first three games of the season, the Panthers' offense was terrible. They couldn't score against the Saints. And then they go in there and they light it up against the Patriots. So Stephon Gilmore has gotten a lot of the attention this week, but it's clearly not just him. It's not one guy that's, that's screwing up the defense, but they got to get that figured out because they face a lot better offenses than Carolina the rest of the way, including on Thursday night. What's your, what's your fix if, if you had one? <laughs> Honestly, I think you just need to make it as simple as possible for Gilmore. And I know, uh, I think it was Jerron Harmon might have been on with the midday guys saying, hey, it is simple. Yeah. Like, we, we actually have a really simple thing. Well, I don't know what it is because Gilmore, I don't want to bench him. You can't bench him. I think it's way too early for that. I just think whether it's, hey, we're playing man-to-man, this is your guy, and just figure it out. Like, you, it's hard to lose track of your guy. You don't have to worry about what side of the field or what third or what quarter of the field. Maybe you just put him more in, in man. The offense is fine, I think. The offense is going to score a lot of points. I know Brady's getting hit a lot. But I think overall they're still scoring a lot of points. So I feel fine there. It's just defensively they got to find a way to, to come up with some more stops and, and stop giving up these huge chunk play. Like guys being wide open, you just never see with the Patriots. And we've seen that now uh, a bunch the, these first four games. So maybe they've already done this, but I guess my answer would be to sort of simplify things. I almost wish that um, Eric Rowe didn't get hurt in this game. 
and started the second half over Stephon right. Gilmore to see what would have happened and, and how that would have played out. I almost wish that Rowe didn't get hurt, and then we could have actually seen what they would have done w- without Gilmore in there, but we're obviously not going to see that. We're probably not going to see that this week. Right, yeah, because now Rowe's you know, probably not going to play on, on Thursday. And you know, Jonathan Jones has been pretty good when he's been given a, a chance, but then you're going to special teamers, right? Like you don't really have any other corners, so – Gilmore's going to have to play. So even if they want, like you said, even if they wanted to send a message, they might, they might not be able to do it just based off of the, the depth that they have. So I heard Mutt with you. I don't think it was NFL Sunday, but he had a take that he wants to trade Jimmy Garoppolo for a defensive player. Do you agree with him? I can't see it at all. But Yeah, I would. I just don't would? think it's possible. I would. I just don't, I don't see a team trading for a quarterback now. I just don't know how that makes a lot of sense. I mean, even a position player would have a hard time picking up a, a new system on the fly. You see trades, you know, the Patriots have been a, a big uh, player in that, you know, the last bunch of years bringing in a player or sending out a player like Jamie Collins, but very rarely is it ever a quarterback. Like Ryan Mallett was mm-hmm. a quarterback that got traded during the season, but that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, because I still think Tom Brady is going to be the quarterback next year and the year after that. So I've always been a trade Garoppolo guy. He uh, Mutt brought up the Jason Lockenfora story, right. which had just these ridiculous Joey, trades. Joey Bosa, Melvin Gordon, like what is this? I was, I was, MLB, NBA, it doesn't happen. Right, exactly. So those were, I mean, if th- those are uh, on the table, then yeah, I think you absolutely have to do it and find a backup somewhere else because I also think the way that this season has gone, if it's not Brady – I don't really know how many games you're winning. Like, I think if Brady goes down, then you got to say, all right, let's get ready for next year. At least that's how I would approach it. I know they can't do it that way. But if you're getting a legitimate impact defensive player, which, again, feels like an absolute pipe dream, mm-hmm. if that's the scenario, then, yeah, I would do it. My thing is I don't, I just don't know what, what team is giving up you know, a, a big defensive player right now for a guy like Garoppolo, who you only have for this year, really, for team control. Yeah, you have half a season with, or whatever and, by and the time I, you trade think, for him. You know, with Garoppolo, you, you supposedly could have gotten four first-round picks for him, and now you're just going to give up for one defensive player. I think that's sort of, you know, taking right. – you're definitely buying low, and you're probably better off just franchising him after the year and then trading if you're going to – if you want to go that route or you can just keep him. So, yeah, I think you'd get more for him then, too. Like, yeah. unless, again, this this some stupid fantastical trade is, is available – I think you'd get more for him just franchising him at the end of the year. What about trading Deion Lewis? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I would do that too. I mean, I I, I just think every time he's out there, and he's great. And a couple of years ago, is this guy was amazing. You're thinking he's better than Kevin Falk. You're like, this guy's terrific. Then, like he's done throughout his entire career, he gets hurt. So you're just sort of waiting for the inevitable injury with Deion Lewis. Plus, the way they've been using him this year, they got White. Hopefully, Burkhead can come back. And obviously, have Gillisley as well. If you can get Lewis for somebody that can help you defensively, I would I would definitely do that as well. What's your What's your biggest need on defense if you're going to find a trade? Is it the cornerback, or do you maybe think it's an ed- edge rusher or linebacker? What, what do you think it is? I th- honestly, they could use one of each, but yeah, I would probably probably. Say, I would probably say uh, like an athletic linebacker, like yeah. somebody that can match up and you feel all right with, whether it's tight ends or backs out of the backfield. I don't think they have the right guy there. Like I'm still hoping – that the corners and the secondary can figure it out. Because the talent's there. The talent is definitely there. And even the edge rushers, I feel like with Flowers and Wise, you're getting enough pressure on the quarterback. So give me another linebacker besides Dante Hightower that you feel pretty good about that can that can run around and 
you know, somebody other, somebody that's better than Van Noy and Roberts, basically. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I think that they're stuck almost with Kyle Van Noy being the guy with the green dot. He's yeah. played every snap, and I don't think he's very good, but I think he's the only guy that's capable of calling defense with Hightower playing the edge. So they're kind of just stuck with him there, and that's where they're most vulnerable, I think, covering these backs out of the backfield. Yeah, it reminds me of the uh, when they had, like, Monty Beisel and Chad Brown. Mm-hmm. He was, like, just linebacker. It was sort of that gap in between having, you know, big-time playmaker linebackers, you know, which – when Brady was first winning Super Bowls, you look at that linebacker mm-hmm. core, it was off the charts. And then even more recently, they've had some good groups as well. And this one just seems like it's all hinged on Hightower, and he's played half the game so far this year, and you just he's always kind of an injury concern as well. And it's not going to any, get any easier this week with Sean Watson, Mike Evans, Sean Jackson. These, yeah. This Buccaneers team is pretty good, and I think that it's not gonna, it's not like they can roll out there and, and they're not facing the Jets this week. It's a pretty good team, so... What do you expect this week? I mean, I guess it's short week. They can't really do much game planning. No, they can't. And, and you know, this is one of those games that the Patriots will find a way to win. Like, I, 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 just, I agree. You know what I mean? Like, they just do because they're not going to lose back-to-back games. It's hard to imagine they lose back-to-back games. And, you know, as bad as you felt a few years ago about Kansas City, I remember saying, oh, they're going to they're gonna get smoked by Cincinnati. And then, nope, they go out mm-hmm. there and they, and they beat them up. I still think – you know, the Patriots are favored. I think even Vegas isn't falling for it. Vegas is like, no, they're still favored. But I would say the Bucks keep it really close and maybe even win. Like, I, I just think the Bucks offense, unless something drastically changes, like if this game was even on Sunday, maybe I'd feel a little bit different. The yeah. fact that it's on Thursday, Jameis Winston this year is a lot better than Cam Newton has been. Yeah. Mike Evans might be the best receiver in football. Deshaun Jackson is going to be a matchup problem. They got two tight ends that they throw to. Uh, they just activated Martin. Jaquiz yep. Rogers is decent, so their defense isn't great, and so it's gonna—it's probably gonna be another one of these shootouts. But I don't know how many times they're gonna stop the Bucks, and so that—that right. that kind of scares. Me. I think the game's gonna be really close. And I guess even though I know I'll, be, I'll look stupid later on, I, I will pick Tampa Bay to win. Ooh, yes, interesting. Give me the Bucks. You're sticking with the Bucks. Give me the Bucks, like thirty-eight, thirty-five, something stupid like that. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. What do you think that would change the whole course of the of the season around here, or do, or do you still think this team you know can pull it together to get the eleven five win the AFC? Yeah, so, I, or I, do you think you know this this might be a dogfight to the end? No, I think two and three. I think I I'm not sold on the Bills and certainly the Jets. You know, the Jets are two and two. Nobody saw that coming. You thought maybe they would go zero and sixteen, but I still think they cruise to a division title. I think the Bills will eventually yeah. fall back down to earth. The Patriots will also have to play. They haven't played any division games yet, so they're they're still to me would be six wins and 10 and six will likely win the division. I think at two and three still finishing 11 and five is not out of the realm of possibility. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw another one of those bill Belichick in season trades. Mm-hmm. Not that that's going to be a cure all, but if you move on from Deion Lewis or you even trade a pick, like maybe you feel like, all right, Hey, we got to trade a future pick, which I don't think they love to do, or they do that stupid thing where they, they give you a pick and they get a pick back and they get a player. They might do something like that just to add some more bodies defensively. I still have faith in, in Brady and Belichick to to be fine, but from where they were at the beginning of the season as the big time Super Bowl favorites, like now they're back sort of in the in the pack with some of the other teams. All right, I like it. Patriots two and three, but still winning the AFC East yes. handily. You got them winning on Thursday? I do. Yeah. I, have, I have them winning, but I think it's going to be close. I, I think they'll cover that five point spread. But yeah. you know, I think it's going to be a game that comes down to the end, and maybe Brady needs to lead them on a drive like he did yeah, against, right. against the Texans. Exactly. But I, like you said before, I, I just think that they don't lose these back to back games, and they'll somehow find a way. They they always do. Right. All right. So well, th- Thursday night, 
Yes. Busy, busy Thursday around Crazy here. Thursday. Crazy Thursday. But even with the Patriots off on Sunday, there is an NFL Sunday show. NFL Sunday, 9 a.m. to 1. So we'll uh, have a lot of reaction about the Bucks. Maybe they're 2-3. and three. Maybe maybe it's uh, maybe panic in the streets. And, exactly. <laughs> you know these Patriots fans would be panicking. Yes. All right. Thanks a lot, Richard. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. All right. We'll see you.